This is Sarah Bordeaf, and you are listening to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. It's a tough time for the mountain resort industry as the global pandemic continues to spread. Each of us is feeling the impact professionally and personally. Sharing our collective insights, challenges, and resources will be important in our road to recovery. So in that effort, Sam has launched a weekly virtual forum dubbed The Huddle, where we gather industry thought leaders and all of you to discuss the here and now and what the future looks like. Resort marketing teams are scrambling to figure out the next best steps. Appropriate communication and timing is a moving target at the moment. What do you do with your summer business? Season pass sales, cancellations. With the help of a team of marketing experts, we gathered more than 100 operators to dive into many of these challenges on this week's marketing and communications huddle. As most called in from home, you may hear the occasional kid or dog voicing their opinion on the subject. We kick it off here with Sam publisher, Olivia Rowan. Thank you all for joining us today on our Monday huddle. Uh, I'm Olivia Rowan, the publisher of Sam Magazine, and I'll be your host along with senior editor Dave Meeker, Dave, um, and our facilitator Paul Talner. Paul? Hi, everybody. The challenges we face are changing daily, as we've all been witness to, and, and we felt that the need to share from one another is important, and things are just happening so fast, so there we know this is a, a plan just to kind of connect us all together and share what, what we're doing um, and try and help one another. Um, Dave? Yeah, so the, the purpose of this huddle, as Olivia said, is to share what we're learning during this unprecedented time and to keep our community strong through transparency and connection. We'll do these weekly calls for as long as it makes sense. Um, of course, this is a first for all of us. We're all facing enormous challenges and uh, these challenges could be, will, will be with us in the short term, medium term and long term. So hopefully these calls provide you guys with a little bit of uh, some ideas, some inspiration, uh, and if nothing else, just a little bit of comfort knowing that <laughs> we're all floating in the same boat. We're going to start things off appropriately with Kelly Pollack, President and CEO of National Ski Areas Association. Kelly comes from a, uh, a marketing background. She was actually my boss's boss at my first job at Mount Snow in marketing. So uh, Kelly, are you with us? I'm here. Can All you hear right. Me? Good morning. Actually, good afternoon. Um, thanks so much for the invite, Olivia. Uh, Dave, you're having a good hair day. I'm happy to see that. Um, I just want to. I just want to thank everybody for uh, inviting me on. I've really been looking forward to this huddle because I really want to hear what our industry marketeers are thinking. Um, I wanted to share kind of a perspective from National Series Association. Uh, I think one of the things that we've been focusing primarily on is lobbying for the ski industry for some uh, relief for our industry. And this is important because what we've been able to do is take some of the research that we've been putting together for many, many years and pinpoint or try to forecast a revenue loss for U.S. ski areas. And... Um, we have figured that out to be um, approximately $2 billion. That's taken into consideration the loss from closing mid-March um, till the end of ski season. There is a number in there for um, a 
a loss in summer revenue, a partial loss of summer revenue, and a partial loss of um, seasons passes. So $2 billion. Uh, we think that that is a significant loss, and uh, we're really trying on phase four of um, federal re relief to get a ski industry carve out. Um, so I wanted you to be aware of that, and I, I wanted to leave you with kind of just, you know, the, the U.S. Um, makeup. Um, I think that you know uh, that the U.S. skiers and riders are a real resilient bunch. At this point, the only thing that really deters them is um, poor snow. I think some of our guests will re-up their passes and they'll be right back. Um, and there's going to be others uh, that it's going to be a real financial stress for them um, or an impossibility. Uh, but it is important to remember that uh, the average um, skier and rider, they have a median household income of $134,000 compared to about $60,000 for the median American. And only 3% of the U.S. population skis. Um, I'm not saying that that's a fantastic situation to be in as a ski industry, but given this situation, we need to keep that in mind. And you may be saying, Kelly, that doesn't look at or, or feel at all like my skiers and riders, and that's the point. Moving forward, we have to, we have to look at our demographics and really keep um, messaging in mind that fits your participants. Um, so I know it's really hard to understand what will happen next. I mean, it's, it's so kind of all over the place, um, and every day, and every, every hour is different. But I would guess that our greatest exposure will be the casual skiers, those who ski fewer days, and our younger guests who may, um, are, may be um, more financially vulnerable. So I'll leave you with that, and I so look forward to hearing what you have to say. Thanks. Thanks, Kelly. Um, we're going to um, go next to Greg Blanchard. Uh, Greg Blanchard's of Slope Fillers and VP of Marketing in Intopia. Um, he recently did a marketing survey, well, last week. Um, and uh, Greg, could you ch share a little bit about the survey and some of the, uh, the, the key takeaways and, and maybe the surprise from that survey? Yeah, absolutely. So I started the survey, it was about a week after resorts really started to close. Um, it was about the 20th that I launched the survey. It ran over the weekend. So it was a week after resort started to close and it's already a week old, which feels like it's almost um, irrelevant to a point. But at the time, weekend to, to things, um, out of 72 respondents, I believe, only uh, two said that they were still open, that the resort they were working for is still open. Um, of those respondents, about 40% said that they had already reduced their staff and about 43% said they expect in the, in the next 90 days for more staff reductions to come. So it was already taking a, a pretty clear toll, but the, the thing I wanted to dig in on was both that kind of individual marketer level, but the, the strategy level too, I was just curious to see where people were at. And the thing that really surprised me was when I asked about season passes. So um, I just asked if people were selling season passes right now, if they were actually available for purchase and 60% said yes. But the question next to that one was, are you actively promoting season passes right now? And in that case, 85% said no. And that just brings in that really 
you know, sticky situation that we all are familiar with where we have something we need to sell. We, we need the revenue, but we just don't feel comfortable or we don't know what the, the right message is to, to share in that moment. And um, I thought that was the, the most insightful takeaway from the whole thing that we all know we need to make drive revenue, but so many of us feel uncomfortable or, or unsure just what to say in, in that moment. We pulled the audience on three questions. Are you currently selling season passes? Do you plan to sell season passes beginning in April? Will current season pass holders receive any kind of discount going into the 2021 winter season? You can view the poll results on our Instagram feed at Sam Magazine. So how does this compare then, Greg, to your results? Yeah, it's pretty similar on the first. I mean, you could throw in a margin of error for that one and it's, it's identical. But I think that second one shows that people are starting to think about, yeah, I need to start selling and I'm figuring out that message or at least uh, have put a date on the calendar that they're going to start doing that. So that's, that's very interesting to see. We're going to move on to um, MJ Legault from, she's a principal and strategy director at Origin. Um, they work with many well-known brands, including Whistler, Squaw, Jay, North Face, Lululemon, just to name a few. Um, she has um, been working um, past few days on pulling together a really uh, amazing deck of valuable insights and information. She's going to share a couple of the slides now with us, um, and she has graciously um, said that she will provide the entire deck um, to all of us after the call, so we'll send that out to you. Um, okay, thanks, Olivia. Thanks um, for having me. Um, as Olivia said, we've been working at Origin for the last couple of days, really, um, on a bit of a timeline for response and recovery. And that's really just the two quick things that I wanted to share today. I will share that deck if anyone is interested. I'll start by saying that there's obviously no one-size-fits-all approach here. So the couple of slides are really not meant to be you know, prescriptive. They're meant to just help you think about and evaluate your own communication plans and your own communication strategy right now. The other thing I want to say is that um, when you go back to the definition of marketing and, um, and truly what, what it's intended to do, it's intended to be all about empathetically and generously educating the audience that you serve. That's like the true definition of marketing. And I think we need to, we need to do this now probably more than ever. And that doesn't mean a sales pitch, and I totally understand that, um, that uh, uncomfortable feeling that many of us have right now, but it also doesn't mean no communication at all. Um, so what we started to look at is during the crisis, really right now, what are those areas in which we need to be um, focused on from a communication standpoint? And this is largely what you guys talked about in last week's huddle. Um, many of you started to talk about the importance of just taking care of your staff and really I think it was David Perry somebody mentioned that it was more about information sharing than than communication strategy at that point so most of you have gone through that first step of you know taking care of your staff it's obvious that hopefully you have a plan in place for regular communication with them throughout this period the, the sort of second step that became again very apparent you guys talked about last week was just taking care of those people that were still in resort and ensuring that you had you know, email communications and new lines of communication set up to amp up the response, which was really critical during that period. I think many of you have now moved on to the third kind of section of taking care of booked guests, whether that means guests that were booked for this season or your summer season. Um, and, and 
you know, I have, I've been looking at different people's websites. Some of you have started to create landing pages with online forms where these people can go and ask questions and communicate directly, um, put your policies in place as you're starting to develop them. I think some of you are also starting to use your organic channels, your social channels, um, and obviously your email channels to ensure that those guests, even if you don't have the answer for them right now, that they're getting some communication from you. And I think that's a critical thing. Even, even just updates like, we'll let you know next week, or you know, we're working on getting this place ready, or any of those types of updates are better than radio silence for this audience that, um, you know, that, that, that have plans to, to be at your resort um, this summer. And then the next sort of phase during the crisis are um, your pass holders, your, your existing pass and card, card holders. And I noticed that some of you have actually started reaching out to this audience segment just in the last couple of days. And I think what's really important is now is the time to be comforting those loyal, pass hold, those loyal pass holders, to be keeping them in the loop on what we're doing, to be kind of treating them like friends as opposed to treating them like, like customers. And I think many of you are obviously in the process of figuring out if you're gonna set into play you know, discounts or reductions or anything like that. Um, I did wanna say, you, you, maybe some of you have experienced this personally, but I'll share one example that, um, that happened to me personally. I'd signed up for a half marathon that obviously got canceled. And the communication I got back from the race organizers was really interesting because they gave me a couple of options of what I could do with my registration fee. I could either get a partial refund, I could apply it to next year's event, or I could donate it to a local relief fund. And that felt really comforting and empowering as a consumer. I recognized I'm not gonna get into operational discussions, but if there's a way to um, provide, even if it's the, the illusion of choice or, or options for your guests, I think that's a really good time to be doing it right now. Um, I think that many of you talked on Monday as well during the huddle about some of the really incredible things that you're doing in your communities right now. People talked about offering up equipment and opening up your spaces for rescue workers and getting, give, giving food and supplies to the local community. I think that's content right now that could be interesting to think about sharing in some ways. I think that's a way to keep your local community and certainly your, your local, um, your uh, pass holders kind of in the loop and keeping them connected to your brand and staying top of mind. I think that type of content right now really speaks to your purpose and your values as an organization. And it's certainly different than the sales pitch. Um, and then we developed uh, this, this sort of how do we emerge from the crisis, you know, once, once we start to look at um, our restrictions easing up and the borders opening and everything else. And again, this isn't a roadmap that will work for everybody, but I think there's some logic to it. And I'll take just a quick minute to run through this. The, the way that we're approaching this is really to look at your audience in different segments and the kind of prioritization of communication. And we feel like those, those loyal fans um, are, the, are the first ones that are right now, they're actually looking to remain connected to you, to your brand, to skiing. They're welcoming any kind of information or content from you. And I think for many people, that's going to be all about just organic channels, organic social channels, you know, targeted PR. It's not necessarily a big, uh, media push that's going to be happening. 
And right away after those loyal fans, that, that local audience, your local community is really the next one that we need to bring them back on board and kind of reignite, not just your area, but um, to Kelly's point earlier, kind of the, the whole ski industry. Um, they're going to be, that community is going to be the first to rally and bring back a level of enthusiasm for skiing. So we need to be thinking about brand awareness messaging for those, for that group, as opposed to purely, you know, tactical or promotional messages. Um, and then we move on to obviously your regional guests and they really had helped to spread the gap between your locals and, and your destination guests. And I think that recapturing their confidence is going to be really, really, really critical. I don't know if you guys have seen, but there's been a ton of negative messages around, you know, don't come to the mountains during um, the break uh, of COVID-19. And I think lots of locals were maybe trying to get the urban population to stay home and not flock to the, the sort of safety and isolation of mountain town. So that's something we're going to have to need to reverse um, pretty quickly if we want to get those regional audiences coming back as restrictions are lifted. Um, and, and maybe you'll see in this deck, we give some examples and it's possible that some, some of you, your standard media plan might still be appropriate, um, but obviously a focus on really sensitive messaging will be key. And we've given a couple of examples that um, uh, smarter people than us, people at Google, et cetera, have shared in terms of how to tweak your tone, your messaging and your visuals in this, in this sensitive time. And then finally, for those destination guests, um, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but I suspect that they're going to be the group that takes the longest to recover from the impacts. And these guests are, they're another resort's, you know, regional guest. And so they may be a lot more reluctant to travel and, and to spend money. So evaluating your target audiences and your geographic audiences before kicking in your media plans is obviously what I think many of you are thinking about right now. Um, so yeah, I think the rest of that document, which I'll share with the team, has just more information about how to communicate to those audiences, as well as just some resources that we've tied together at the end that can um, hopefully be helpful for you guys. Thanks, MJ. Um, any, um, any examples that you might send us to after this call to go look at any other industries, any car companies, any, anything that you saw that's worth going and having a look at? Yeah, we've put together just a selection. There's so much out there right now. We've put together a selection that is close-ish to our own industry. We're seeing some really interesting things coming from um, destination marketing organizations, as well as some larger tourism, like Tourism Portugal. I don't know if anybody saw the, the incredible video that they have just put out, but it's, it's a beautiful way to inspire hope, um, yet give a very clear message of people to, um, to stay home right now. MJ Legault and the team at Origin Design and Communications very kindly offered to share the entire deck her team has put together. To view and download, visit saminfo.com huddle. So now we're going to switch gears to uh, talk with some uh, mountain resort marketers who are um, there on the front lines and, and dealing with this um, every day. Um, we have um, Christian Knapp, who's the CMO at Aspen Skiing Company. We have Hugh Reynolds, who's the VP of Marketing and Sales at Snow Operating, and Tyler Lamott, who's the Chief Brand Officer at Jackson Hole. Um, let's start with Christian um, Knapp, and why don't you tell us what some of your challenges are um, and um, a little bit about what's going on um, in, in your resort. Uh, thanks, Olivia. Um, Really appreciate you pulling this together. What a great group. Well, it's great to have everyone here and, and to talk through this because this is uncharted territory for all of us as we, as we talked about. Um, 
you know, I think just to kind of think, you know, you posed the question to me about challenges with resources, staffing, you know, obviously we're past the critical point now of educating our customers on closures and what's happening. And we're sort of in our two week period, we've been shut down now um, for almost two weeks and um, kind of moving into that next phase of this, of this crisis. And um, I think between us personally, sheltering in place and all that, dealing with that kind of on a personal level and then trying to kind of keep your work uh, levels together has been the challenge for sure. Um, you know, we here at Aspen Skiing Company um, and the Aspen Snowmass brand are very fortunate to have a uh, long kind of view ownership. Um, our owners to have a very bullish um, perspective on this. Um, they want to see income continuity to all of our employees as best we can in this crisis. Um, they certainly see this as a short-term, you know, deep impact, but something that we will rebound from quickly and we want to make sure we're set up uh, to succeed and rebound from this quickly. Um, you know, in terms of capital projects, we're continuing most of our stuff this year. We have looked at our recurring capital and we're going to um, reprioritize some of those recurring capital projects, but we are going to continue. We had a, we have a major six pack lift going in at Snowmass at the burn this summer. Uh, we're also doing some e-com improvement projects um, and some other web projects. Those are going to continue. Uh, we want to make sure that we're positioned well uh, to come out of this thing. Um, in terms of our seasonal employees, uh, once we announced the, the uh, closure, we paid out two weeks um, full paid, um, you know, on a, on a wage basis. So that was a really big give on the part of our company, which is really proud, made me proud. Um, we also have waived housing in our employee units, uh, rents for the month of April to try to alleviate some of that pressure on folks here. Um, but that being said, we've, you know, like everybody on this call, we've had to minimize and, and manage our financial impacts of the pandemic and make sure we're set up for success. So we did implement a mandatory closure, uh, like a shutdown of our offices. Um, and we have extended that now till April 19th. Um, that is coinciding with the plan shelter in place order from our county here in Pickens County. Um, so that will allow everybody to be at home with their families, taking care of themselves um, and staying healthy and, and really making sure that we're not, um, we're social distancing and doing all those measures to keep the flatten the curve, if you will. So that's really important to us. Certainly we're continuing to do some work on the sides, doing projects, um, but we are trying to sort of take a breather um, and shut down um, the operations and so that we are ready to get back to it. Uh, when time is right, uh, hopefully by the April 20th. Um, I think your other question was about summer. Summer startup, obviously, for all of us in this industry is a real big unknown right now. It's concerning. Um, you know, we're looking at various scenarios about when the quarantine will be lifted, once the social distancing rules relax. Um, when, when will we be back to business as usual? It's really hard to determine that. And even when we do get back um, and our summer operations hopefully open. I doubt it will be the same uh, situation as prior. I'm sure we'll have some rules in place and uh, all that kind of stuff. So we're gonna all be navigating that as an industry as to even when we can open and then what does an opening look like in the summer. Um, for past sales, like everybody else, we've, you know, we've paused our past sales here. Um, we're kind of on hold for a month. We're evaluating what to do. We do intend to offer a loyalty discount for next year's past sales um, to just to acknowledge that the season was truncated and to try to win that loyalty of our customers. Uh, tone, as you mentioned, or uh, as MJ mentioned, is going to be absolutely critical in those messagings to make sure that um, we recognize the challenges of this season and 
um, the current challenges that are, a lot of our customers are facing in their personal lives and their financials and all of that. So um, that's something I, I would be really looking at closely with my team. Um, but I think, you know, it's not going to be business as usual. Um, whenever we do get back to uh, normal operations, whenever that is, um, but we're going to get through this and we're going to come out stronger. Great. Thanks, um, Christian. Tyler, you are in an area um, like Christian where summer tourism um, is it, it, in Jackson Hole, isn't it more than in the winter? You're, you're busier in the summer? Yeah, I mean, for the area, the visitation from the parks is obviously huge, right? So Grand Teton and Yellowstone. So you know, we have 5 million visitors coming through summer, totally different demographic. Um, but with the parks now being closed kind of indefinitely right now, you know, there's a lot of big question marks on summer. I mean, I think they will, you know, once these guidelines and it's become safe to open, I think they will reopen. It's just a matter of when. And so I think the whole community is holding their breath on that. Um, for Jackson Hole, specifically JHMR on our side, you know, we are planning for summer operations, you know, the eventuality of when we can open, you know, whether that's June or that's July, we're a very truncated season of uh, August, September. Uh, we are moving, you know, all of our efforts forward to that regard uh, and really evaluating every level of operating scenario um, in terms of, you know, our lifts, our restaurants, uh, retail, uh, staffing, et cetera, in addition to, you know, all of the work that we can get done as regards to maintenance and capital and et cetera that we need to do to prepare for the upcoming winter season. So summer is a tricky one to your question. Have you started um, any, have you started any promotion or where's your, where's your, are you sort of have five different plans and just kind of figure it out which week, which plan kind of <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, we're in the mode of really kind of running through three different scenarios, um, you know, tied to those opening dates and to the offering. If the social distancing measures are still going to be in place or they're going to be relaxed, um, you know, we don't have all the information. So we're really trying to plan for every level of contingency that we can, given what's going to come at us. Clearly, we want to operate summer. It's, you know, it's a growing part of our business um, that we want to keep in play if we can. Okay. Um, Hugh Reynolds, um, tell us a little bit about some of your marketing communication challenges. Yeah, it's pretty pretty similar to what everyone has uh, been discussing, and and very much in line with what MJ um, shared with us in her presentation. Uh, we've been fully shut down since March fifteenth, so uh, all of our businesses, Big Snow, uh, American Dream, the Indoor Center, and Mountain Creek closed on on Monday the fifteenth, and we sent all of our employees home. Uh, home with pay to work from home indefinitely. Um, you know, we're, we're reliant on the New York, New Jersey market here, which is uh, definitely one of the epicenters of this crisis. So um, understandably, our, our market's attention is, uh, is on what's happening in their, in their personal lives and how their day-to-day -day life has been disrupted um, and uh, the uncertainty that... Uh, that we're all living with here in terms of, you know, what tomorrow will bring and how long this is going to last. So trying to market in a traditional sense is pretty worthless at, at this point. Um, so we've, we've ratcheted down our communications, um, you know, trying to, uh, trying to just stay engaged with the community in an authentic way, trying to be entertaining. So, um, you know, sharing content that's relevant to, to those, uh, to those goals. So season recap videos, um, 
sharing content, uh, throwback content from um, happier times, if you will. Um, and we've really turned our focus on taking care of our, our guests and our community. Um, so a lot of uh, last week was spent on uh, crafting communications to our various guest segments, um, people who've pre-purchased visits to the resort, um, people who have weddings booked with us that are going to be impacted by this, um, and just making sure that they're taken care of and that they're communicated to. Um, and then taking care of ourselves and our, and our business. We've been spending a lot of time uh, going through the small business loan applications and all those requirements. Um, and in doing so, we realized how difficult that road is to navigate. Um, you know, even for a, a, a mid-sized business like ourselves that has a full accounting department and a legal team, um, it, it, it was a full-time job for about five people to try and complete those applications and, and do what what is needed. Um, so in going through that, we realized that a lot of the small businesses in our community probably don't have those resources at hand. Um, so we've launched a campaign targeted to our local community, um, offering the assistance of our accounting team and our executive team to help them um, to apply for assistance if they need it. So um, really just focused on, you know, being there for the community and letting everyone know that we're all in this together and that we will get through this together. Um, Tyler, is you've got a pretty big community. Um, are you guys? Is there anything you can do now with messaging to to MJ's point um, that you've been doing with the community? Yeah, we've been. I mean, the community in Jackson is definitely highly integrated. Whether it be the town of Jackson, Teton County, our health department, working through you know a lot of the local resources that are available to employees, specifically the seasonal employees. Um, you know, we, similar to what Aspen did, we definitely extended uh, additional two weeks to employees to try to take care of them in addition to taking care of housing. Uh, we had a lot of J1s that we needed to, you know, assist in getting out of the country, which was absolutely tricky and, and still is to some regard. Um, but, you know, on the community side, you know, definitely using information and being very transparent and, in, you know, I'd say over communication right now has been one of our key strategies uh, from a messaging standpoint, both to our employees, but also knowing that, you know, we are such a huge driver of business within this community that we stay just super engaged on all fronts. And so, you know, really trying to use information as a tool, taking care of people where we can, taking care of our employees. You know, we are essentially shut down, but everyone is, you know, at home working remotely, trying to adjust to this new system. And um, again, just trying to be highly integrated with all of our cross-functional stakeholders and agencies as much as we possibly can. Okay. Um, there is a question from Kelsey Borge. I may have butchered her name there. Um, she wants to know from any of you about what you're doing about wedding cancellations. Does anybody want to? Yeah. So at Mountain Creek, we have um, about 150 weddings scheduled for this summer. Um, we've already made the determination that through mid mid May, we will not be able to um, accommodate for those weddings as, as originally planned. Um, so first and foremost, we wanted to communicate that to those guests that were affected. Um, you know, we had to look at, you know, from a business standpoint, what, what was that going to mean? Um, obviously, there's the language of the contract. Um, but in, in times like this, I, I don't think that really means much. So we decided that we were going to um, communicate with at least 40 days notice to any weddings that we think might be impacted. 
um, that they'd have the ability to cancel free of charge with a full refund of their deposit um, or reschedule. Um, and if they were willing to reschedule with us, we threw in a free after party, which was about $2,500 value, uh, just as a thank you for them being um, flexible and understanding, um, you know, recognizing that this situation is uh, of neither party's fault, right? None of us had any control in this, but, uh, you know, uh, just, just being human first, right? If, if you were planning your wedding and it, it got impacted like this, um, the last thing you'd want to have to deal with is any additional financial stress about losing deposits or, um, you know, it just, it just sucks. So yeah, we're trying to do as much as we can, but we've been very flexible. We've, we've, uh, so far not had to return any deposits. Everyone has agreed to reschedule with us and we've been able to find alternate dates for them. Okay. I actually have a, a quick question for, for you three. <clears throat> when everything was starting to happen and, uh, word was coming down about, uh, you know, well, basically after you guys decided to shut down, um, where on the, I guess, list of things that you had to do, uh, was putting a hard stop on your automated messaging and your advertising that you already had in the hopper coming up for things like season passes for summer operations for spring events, things like that. Did that happen right away or did that, uh, was that something that you were like, oh crap, we gotta, you know, we can't send this out because it's inappropriate. Where did that, uh, where did that start? Uh, start with you, Christian. Uh, good question. You know, <laughs> it was so fast. Um, we literally did not know we were closing until about uh, 6.30 p.m. on Saturday night, uh, March 14th, effective immediately. So um, it did not give us very much time to react. Um, but I think, you know, certainly, you know, getting with the team, communicating with everybody on the marketing crew and just, you know, using Slack and just pushing out messaging as fast as we could to pull down all those automated communications, all the automated snow reporting so that people weren't getting snow powder emails in their inboxes the next morning when we weren't even operating, um, all that. And then quickly, you know, the team got on Facebook and started pulling down all the events and um, everything, you know, that had already been happening a bit. Um, so there was a lot of events that had already been canceled that previous week. Um, so that work was happening, but it, it was a, it was a huge team effort. Everyone rallied as you would expect in our industry and, uh, got it done, got the job done. And, uh, you know, but I, I think I did see a tweet from Digi Dave at some point that said, turn off your automated, uh, email. And it, it was definitely a good reminder to me. So, uh, thank you. Tyler. Yeah, we were in a, a little bit of a tricky situation. It was because we closed on Sunday and we actually ended up doing it in the morning. And given the, the, the communication that came out from the governor of Colorado and that directive, um, we shortly after received a communication from um, the health department of the state of Wyoming with a fairly similar directive around gatherings, um, which came in that morning timeframe. It was a powder day that morning. And a lot of our workers couldn't get over the pass that lived in Idaho. So we were already in the midst of a great opening and then that announcement dropped and essentially it was immediately over. And it was, it was unfortunate because we were reacting in real time and we did it relatively very quickly, you know, in terms of taking down all our communication and communicating to our guests, the guests that were already here. Again, like I said, the community, all of our cross-functional stakeholders were immediately notified. Um, I think everyone, you know, while frustrated in moments in this crisis, everyone understood it and they knew 
exactly what closing. And, you know, I think that the message was clear. Um, it was just a lot of shock and um, a lot of reaction in real time. But we were able to get down all of our information. We had a huge music festival that was planned um, for this past weekend. That obviously was a big draw for our late season visitation. We had to wind that down immediately. Um, and so there was so many things that we were basically trying to turn off, but also communicate with the information that we had. Uh, and I think we have a lot more information now than we did two weeks ago. Um, but it was, yeah, I mean, we, the whole team was absolutely on it and getting all of our content out. Um, but so unprecedented, you know, in terms of what we did and how we reacted. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we, we pulled all our paid advertising as soon as we knew we were going to be closing. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line cause I, I see some resorts are still marketing in our area and, and, um, the messaging hasn't changed at all. It's business as usual and it, it, it comes across as maybe a little tone deaf, maybe too harsh of a word. It's, it's a hard balance. I get it. Right. Like we have to sell to stay alive, but not even recognizing how severe the situation is is um it, it it just doesn't it doesn't feel right um one great example of of uh, a company that should have pulled their advertising that didn't was uh, scott's lawn care so springtime here in new jersey i i'm a homeowner uh, of a certain age so i'm a prime target for scott's i, I get their social ads all the time uh last week they were running ads that said make make your home an oasis that you'll never want to leave. It's just <laughs> completely, completely inappropriate for the time. So that, that ad created wow. probably resonated really well a month ago, but not so good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the message is if you've already taken a look at what's upcoming in your resort marketing, look at that now and pull down what's not appropriate. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, I think if you're going to market, Right now, in the moment, it has to be empathetic first and foremost, and and authentic to your brand as always. But you have to you have to at least acknowledge that we're going through something bigger than being right now. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, we are going to switch gears and to look into the unknown. Not that any of this is known, but. Uh, obviously, we've never been here before. Uh, we don't know when we'll be back in business and how will our customers have changed? Uh, will there be pent up demand or hesitation to venture back? How much will safety and security be at the forefront of our customers' minds? Does our marketing have to address this? There's a whole bunch of questions that we don't necessarily know the answer for, but I guess we can start riffing on some potential scenarios. So. Uh, we're going to start with Steve Wright, the general manager up at J Peak. Thanks. Thanks, Meek. Um, you know, for, for any of us that, that lived through, um, you know, the selling and marketing period after 9-11, I think that there's, there's some instructive things to be learned uh, through that. I remember um, the National Ad Council and their uh, I Am an American ad. Um, I remember uh, General Motors coming out and talking about um, let's get America rolling again and 0% um, financing that they put out there that they were pretty, uh, pretty well criticized for. Um, but I, I think that we will see 
a lot of these bigger brands starting to roll out ads that have elements of why the consumers should have confidence um, in the environments going forward. And I think they'll, I think they'll put their sell messages underneath those kinds of confidence building, um, you know, confidence building language um, that'll be integrated into their messaging. And ultimately, I think, I think it has to be that way. I think the American consumer needs to see uh, that brands are marketing and selling again, and the confidence built through that sort of starts to build upon itself. I think that's something that we all are going to need to see. Um, you know, with that being said, I think, I think most of us feel like we have special relationships with our guests and with our databases. Um, and it's, I think it's important to remember how that happened. It isn't because of, of something that we sold to them. Um, I think it's because of, you know, a service that we ultimately delivered and the way that we ultimately made them feel that had, that has strengthened those relationships. Um, and I think it's important to fall back on that now. I think, um, you know, continuing to deepen those relationships more than ever. It's about helping these, helping these folks and not necessarily selling to them immediately. And, you know, through the, uh, through the ski resort lens, through the ski industry lens, um, I think that means that to whatever extent you can, you need to be there for them, whether it's lengthening the periods uh, across which they'll get discounts either in lodging or in, or in season passes, um, relaxing cancellation policies, coming up with payment plans. Um, you know, are there ways that a guest, you can allow a guest to commit to you up front without necessarily committing their money and their funds to you up front? I think those are sort uh, those are options of, of brands um, trying to be empathic towards, towards their guests um, while still navigating what's arguably a, a difficult sales environment. And then obviously there, there are lots of ways to approach this. And, you know, some of the folks on this call might not have the option of integrating things that way. Um, what we all have control over is the language that we use to sell um, and the way that we tiptoe back into the market, I think, when we do that. Um, but I think that this, this whole period is going to have a long tail, not, not just in the way that it impacts our ability to sell um, and impacts our ability to market, but ultimately in the way that guests are going to perceive us. Um, and I think it's important to keep that in the front of our minds as we go about trying to, to get things moving again. Um, I wouldn't be so fast to the cell that you forget about the most important asset you have and that we all have, and that's the relationship with the guest. That's absolutely, uh, a lot of what we've been hearing from some of the folks that we've been gathering insights from is it's not just about how you want your guests to view you now but how you get, you want your guests to view you once this is over. And you really have to be mindful of that. Um, let's hear what Dave Amaral has to think about all this. Dave Amaral, semi-retired resort marketing exec. Is that your <laughs> current title? That sounds about right. Well, right now I'm actually the head of marketing for uh, a company called Pagely. We do mission critical internet uh, infrastructure. So this is kind of our time to shine, but uh, 20 years of experience in, in this mess, I guess, uh, gives me some qualification to at least give you what I'm thinking. And I want to dovetail what, what Steve said. You know, Steve, Steve kind of crafts an empathetic strategy for commitment and payments and working with your guests. But I want to remind you guys that not everyone is going to have that approach because there is going to be kind of a fear-based mechanism to communicating with your guests. And that is going to be a lot of value messaging and trying to shake the tree to have as much revenue fall out of it as you can. So 
I want to emphasize, you know, if that's getting dictated to you by a, a revenue maximization team or finance or ownership, to take a step back and remind them to the things that Steve just said, because that's going to be their first natural reaction when they start to see that the spreadsheet's pointing in the wrong direction. Um, and they've got bills to pay and everything else. They're going to naturally want to kick the train, have some dollars fall out of it. But you got to remember that we're in this for the long haul. So take that empathetic strategy to the commitments, the payments, the communication. Um, maybe real start to think about what your guest tolerance is to your marketing. Do you have the right cadence? What message is it? How are you addressing the people that aren't feeling your message, right? You should have some strategies around that. Um, yeah, that's, that's my two cents. Nice. Hallie O'Brien uh, of the Snow Report Show. Your reach uh, is, is huge. You don't just speak to one particular resort's audience or one uh, resort group's audience. You speak to everybody. Uh, how is your messaging and your approach to all of this going to change and how is it going to uh, evolve as things progress? Right. So it's definitely been an interesting time. And I think from my standpoint, it's, we had to take an interesting approach, um, just doubling down on kind of core values, which is, you know, the snow reports built on speaking to more than just the core skier snowboarder. And we want to make the most positive and inclusionary winter audience on the, on the internet. And I think that, you know, our fans are some of the best out there. You know, normally you go to a, a comment section and it's just, toxic on the internet and um i'll say like in season out of season they're just 99.9 .9 of them are the most positive happy people ever and i really want to keep that going so i think in times like this where we're all in this together apart literally you know we're just doubling down on that we're trying to find that type of empathetic messaging that's still um still light we want to keep that certain levity because that's the brand and the voice and the tonality of the snow report. So, you know, initially when this was all happening, we were, we were trying to share things that were both funny, but also inspirational and aspirational. <clears throat> and I think too, everybody's pretty understanding about it in the moment, you know, just how this is so much bigger. It's so much bigger than one resort, one um, section of the country. Like it's a global issue. And I think everybody's, you know, kind of feeling that. And as far as the messaging goes, um, relatability has net been relatability has never been more important. You know, everybody is on the same page. Um, with that, obviously, some political views can can kind of weasel their way in, but that's always been something that you know, much like a dinner table, you we stay away from that. Uh, we don't you know ever uh, dip into that, and usually try to just kind of stop a dead in the water. There, you know, we have a certain tolerance for the way people behave on our social channels and things like that. And I think, you know, the content that we put out there, we want to be able to provide some escapism now more than ever, you know, literally. <laughs> we want people to be able to just feel like, you know, they're not alone and, um, and that we know that there is going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. There is going to be an end to this. And what that looks like, I think it's, I think it's important to stay nimble, have a plan, like Olivia said, like kind of have five options or something to that degree, but look at what might make the most sense and what that climate is looking like because the memes were very funny a week or two ago. And now I feel like the, the reality and the, you know, it's, it's just getting a little heavier. 
and um, you know, this is this is you know, are are struggling with this from um, health standpoints and from financial standpoints. And I think you know, um, where there's probably most of the pass holders asking, "What are you going to do for me about my pass that I wasn't able to use for the last two weeks of the season, or you know, however long your season is?" I think that there's also probably a small percentage of people wondering, "Okay, well, you know, if I could get this money back, I can." do this with it because I don't know when I'm going to go back to work. So, you know, just trying to keep all of that in mind and, you know, from our position, creating the content that reflects that in the moment. Kylie, are you going to do anything with the snow report? What, what? Yes, definitely. I want to do, um, we're working on a, a best moments recap kind of video. We do that every year. Um, but I think too, depending on how long this uh, social distancing self isolation situation goes and, and what kind of the, the you know again what the climate feels like and looks like in the country as far as how people are dealing with it and, and handling it and um you know we want to definitely do something maybe you know either some live streams or some sort of you know something relevant to this all together but not necessarily focusing on the doom and gloom so it's trying to thread that needle ever so delicately okay nice Nick Lambert, Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Sunday River up in Maine. Um, Nick, what are you guys talking about up there? What are you, uh, what kind of planning ahead are you guys doing for the potential scenarios that we're going to encounter? Um, I echo um, a lot of what everyone else has, has already said. Um, I think to build off of what Steve was talking about, you know, the way that we're looking at this, you know, consumers are going to have a, a several month period where, you know, they're seeking um, security and, and confidence and level of comfort. And until that's there, there's going to be a real hesitation to commit financially, you know, commit time to commit to travel, et cetera. If you look at a uh, skier business nationally, and if you map them over time with the economy, it's, uh, it's the CCI, right? Consumer confidence that correlates the closest to visits. So I think that, you know, that as a leading indica indicator, that may help us understand when things are coming back a little bit. But uh, again, to echo what Steve said, to change the way that we're going to market and selling and structuring cancellation policies and booking policies, et cetera, we're going to need to accommodate that and be respectful of that, uh, that pattern. You know, but on the positive side of this, you know, Travel and tourism are, are resilient. They always have been. Recreation is resilient. And I think that, you know, we are poised to come out of this, when we do come out of it, really strong, right? Um, people right now want an escape, need an escape. Um, the outdoors, fresh air, freedom, all the things that, that are, are common to every resort and every brand that we're talking about. There's going to be a desire for those. And I think that, you know, to build off of something MJ mentioned earlier, I could even see, you know, second, second home and real estate demand growing out of this long term when people, you know, they want that escape and they want that place to go. And, and right now, again, MJ got to it a little bit, but we're screwing that up. Looking at Maine specifically, and this is around the Northeast, there's this fear of what's going on in New York. And there's this, these microcosms of xenophobia of, you know, shut down the bridge, shut down the borders. Um, we've seen locally and across the state, there have been some pretty, wide, some pretty highly publicized instances of, 
um, you know, locals, you know, at best making comments and at worst, um, uh, taking things further to people from out of state that are, they're staying in the second homes that they own and then and pay taxes to. So I think that there's going to be some, some growth to, you know, some short-term repercussions of that, that we'll need to get out of. But long-term, I, I do think that we are poised, at least when you look around, you know, even within the travel tourism segment, I think we're, we're in a great position. The, the cruise industry, I don't know if or how they ever come back from this, but um, long-term skiing, I think we're going to be in a pretty, a pretty strong position. Thank you, Nick. Um, we have a, a couple of questions from Justin Cooper. What frequency are you sending e-blasts and what type of content are you filling those with? Could we have one of the resort marketers share the frequency of e-blasts right now, like this week? Uh, we, we've really slowed down. Um, most of our e-blasts are related to updates on resort status. So when we originally closed down for Big Snow, we had messaged that we would be closing down through the end of the month. Um, so there'll be an e-blast going out today that announces an extension of, of that closure, closing um, for a, for a, a term, uh, an unknown term. Um, and we do have a small sales message attached to that to that email that's going out as well um, we happen to be running a sale on some of our uh, non-date specific products that we've kept running through this period um, you know it's not driving a ton of revenue for us but um, there, there are people that are taking advantage of it and um, you know if they're happy to support us we're happy to take it thank you um, another question from uh, Dave Tregath Tregathon I probably butchered that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, how are you handling official partnerships and other sponsors? Uh, Tyler, do you want to take that? Yep, sure. We, um, you know, we have tons of brand sponsors, just like most of obviously the resorts do. And so staying hyper engaged, at least communicating our status and where we're at, um, you know, clearly we're also in the midst of, like I'm sure everybody else renegotiating contracts in some capacity. So trying to communicate with transparency with them. Um, you know, like I said, we canceled a big music festival. Clearly there were a ton of contracts uh, intertwined within that. So again, that was about communication as we you know, okay, we hit pause this year. What does the future look like? You know, the contracts are super important to us, especially on the partnership side. Um, but also recognize that those partners are going through a lot of financial and you know, duress given what's going on with all of us right now. So it's really a time will tell piece, but you know, a lot of our partners have been partners for many, many years. So just really need to foster those relationships and you know, I'd say be on common ground and meet in the middle with the general understanding that we'll all get over this and move forward. So, um, you know, I think it slowed things down, but by no means have we seen anything go backwards. Okay. Um, got another question here from Cole Fawcett. I'd be curious to understand who among us are considering implementing a payment plan for season passes that do not have one currently. So has anybody thought through that scenario? I think some people have to realize if their software and their teams can even initiate payment plan in short order. Yeah, we're all handcuffed by the by the two pieces of software that run the run our ticketing. <laughs> um, 
Christian, anything on that? No, Digi's right. It's, it's a lot to spin up a payment plan if you didn't already have something like that in place. Um, obviously, the Big Passes icon and Epic have payment plans in place already, um, so they'll continue with that. Um, you know, some, something we're considering and looking at, and it's definitely, this event has definitely triggered us to think differently about our past sales and our, the commitment we're asking from the customer um, early on. So we'll be, we'll be reevaluating that. For sure. I'm hearing a lot of that from other industries too, that there's going to be some changes in the way we do business going forward and permanently from what we're dealing with now. Um, final question from Hiram. Um, for those selling passes now, are you tracking and how have you adapted your messaging? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're here at Jay. I mean, we, we went out last week with uh, some updated protocols. We integrated and we hadn't before a, uh, a $25 deposit to get in line for the early bird rate. And then we're not charging uh, anyone's credit card for two months. Uh, so from a, from a cash flow perspective, it allows us to see how that cash ultimately will be recognized uh, two months from now. Um, and in terms of tracking, we look at it every day. Uh, just like everybody else, we, I've sold three since I've been on this call, so that's very exciting. <laughs> awesome. That's Thanks. what I got. Paul? Yeah, just one quick reminder for all of you who are in the business of thinking about and caring for other people. Just make sure you take care of yourself through this process as well. No, you're no, of no good to anyone if you're not at 100%, so be sure you're doing all of your self-care routines to make sure you're staying 100%. Thank you for taking the time to listen to episode two of our Huddle mini-series. We will be doing these weekly calls for as long as they make sense. Each call is open to the entire industry, so if you would like to participate, or if you have a question or topic you think we should cover, email huddle at saminfo.com. If you want to check out a view of how the COVID-19 pandemic is impacting other types of ski industry businesses, check out the Wintry Mix podcast with Podsame advisor Alex Kaufman. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. I am Sarah Bordeev, and thank you for listening to Podsame.